appreciate a prophecy with more relatable stakes. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I love you, Lobster Johnson. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the 2019 film. Not to be confused with the 2004 Hellboy. Was that 15 years? Yeah. 15 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, this one brought to you by the letter T uh, because Twitter was the reason why we did this one. Your spelling's inaccurate, but yeah, no, I, I dig what you're going. The I, letter T for Twitter? or But the letter H for Hellboy or... Oh, for high, high... Which is what whatever. I said on Twitter when I posted it. Oh, you this did. week's episode is brought to you by the letter H. Oh. That's what I thought you were riffing well, on. Well, well, that so that <laughs> that poll was brought to you by the letter H, yeah. but the episode was technically brought to us by the, it. Doesn't matter. The point is, <laughs> I see you reaching. The point is, it was very close. <laughs> it was very close. I was um, surprised. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Now to be fair, I hadn't. I, I I had no issue with doing Hellboy, but the problem was was that the reviews had come out for Hellboy at that point, sure. and famously Rotten Tomatoes had 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 uh, put up like this graphic. To show what the reviews were, and like it went all the way up to eighty-eight percent, and then dropped all the way down to nine percent, and I was like, "Oof, yeah." Well, that to be honest, that's the only reason I was interested in seeing it and talking about it. Really? Because I mean, it nothing from the advertising, nothing from the from anything that 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 was shown to me either on the internet or commercials or whatever. (laughs) What is I like? Ooh, yes. Like, but like. I was curious about that pure tankage, like <laughs> how and what happened and why. And, and when things like this do occur, and we have yeah. a lot of sort of meat about around the film, I think more so than the film itself. But whenever that sort of happens, I get excited to talk about that. You know, I, I, okay, so I, I had no qualms with doing a Hellboy, the Hellboy movie. I was kind of, I was more interested in seeing High Life because I think I, I just think it's going to be an interesting film and I haven't actually seen a Claire Denis film on, on the big screen so I thought that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because when we went to we saw the movie together and they were playing in the exact opposite theaters. It's like yeah, yeah. it's like a poem in existence. <laughs> um, but the, pro- the thing I was worried about with doing Hellboy after seeing the reviews come out and I said this to you over Twitter uh, over text as well I was like I feel like we're going to be punching down. And my, do you remember my, my response? I remember was? your responses, but I don't think you 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 were reading what I was putting down there. Okay, you define what you think punching down is, and then I will say what my response was. I don't think there's any joy in in Duncan on a movie like Hellboy that I that I'm not you know like I'm not super interested you sure. know like you know like I'm, I'm I'm like I will give it a go, but I'm not like I'm not kind of. The only the only thing I after seeing the Rotten Tomatoes review, the only thing I'd be like is like I want to be proven wrong. You know what I mean? You, like, want, I w- you want to prove Rotten Tomatoes wrong? Well, I want I want to have my experience. my low expectations defied. Help. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. That's that's all I want in right. that experience. In my, in my I don't res- want to go in and dunk on this movie. Right. My response is we can't really dunk on this movie. We can't punch down because that would in, that would imply that we are above it, and it is a multi million dollar film released nationwide, and we are a tiny. The only one, granted, I don't know why there's not more, movie podcast, <laughs> and uh, there's no way in hell, boy, that we will ever be punching down to something like this. We are we are grasping up <laughs> at, at, at the tendrils so, so of nightmare. So what you're saying, no matter how bad the movie is, we're always below it. I'm saying, not always, <laughs> but a, a, a national film? Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the reach... It's not doing well. If, no, 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 but if you look at the reach of that film versus the reach of us... I think we're punching up. 
Uh, and, and here's the other thing. That's sort of my take on that. I don't want to just dunk on this movie. Spoiler alert, it's not good. Um, but I do want to talk about sort of the experience of why it exists, how culture has sort of gotten to the point where we this is what we do now, and how this has become a bit of the apotheosis of what I feel like uh, reboot culture has wrought. Wow, um, you, you got some thoughts. I mean, I do. I, I and and I, we will obviously be talking about the film here and there. Um, the and there's a, <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, but there's also like um, it's funny because it's sprinkled with um, I won't even say hope. I'll say sort of um, like ideas that if expel expunged upon uh, would would maybe blossom to something else, but that could also be my my uh, wishful thinking. Okay. Um, anyway, we'll get into it as we get into it. Uh, we, uh, but but again, thank you to everyone on Twitter who did take the time to thank vote. You so it much. was very close for a while. High Life was was in the lead, was and, I, and, and I was like, "Ooh, this is exciting!" And then uh, Hellboy came in from the back and really, really uh, took it home at it towards the end. Although, no, what? Was it it was no, it was very close. It was like fifty six to forty four, uh, something, or something like that. Okay. Uh, again, thank you everyone uh, who reached out. Oh, who who voted for that on Twitter at Only Movie Pod. Had a couple of lovely emails uh, this week. Sent in at Only uh, Podcast at gmail.com. First one in from Jamesa, who we haven't heard from in a while. Hey, Jamesa. Nice to hear from you. Just wanted to say hello and have been playing catch up on your episodes. Some have been more challenging than others due to the respective subject matters. I'm guessing she's probably talking about. Leaving Neverland. I'm guessing she's <laughs> talking about the Lego movie, the second part. Right, that's the one. Yep. Uh, but I will listen. Keep up the fantastic work. Saw Shazam last week and had so much fun despite Aww. the story. Zachary Levy de- uh, deserves the best because he seems like an awesome human being. Anyway, send love your way, guy. Yeah. Thank uh-huh. you. I, I think I read the cadence on that whole thing wrong. You, but... you did, but we got the gist. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Zachary Levi is apparently is a great guy from what we uh, from what I've gleaned from people that have worked with him. Right. Um. He so that's seemed, fantastic. He seems he seems like he smells like uh, delightful popcorn. He seems like the he seems like his personality is the smell of beautiful popcorn. If that makes sense, like that's how good it is. Okay, like I like equating uh, people's demeanors to wonderful things that have nothing why, to do why, with the demeanor. Why don't they make popcorn aftershave? They probably do. Oh, I'm sure they do. They, if they make bacon aftershave, they make popcorn <laughs> aftershave. Anything that's a Jelly Belly flavor, yeah. there's an aftershave. All right. Uh, Vomit! Uh, speaking of Shazam, uh, this is a tweet from uh, the, the Blade, Jonathan Blade. I think we'll get another tweet from him uh, later, to, uh, later on this episode. Jonathan blah, 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 Blade. Uh, I like this one. Took my son to see Shazam as he had yet to experience it. It holds up as a good time at the movies, but this time... Freaking Shahir Dowd was over my mind shoulder pointing out the disconnect between Billy and Shazam's Billy. Billy is 14, but Levi plays him like he's 10. Uh, I just wanted to say, I'm always there for you, <laughs> the Blade. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I said that I agreed on the on the episode. I think that's, it's not a huge disconnect for me, but it was a problem for me that I, I felt like uh, they were two different characters. I uh, uh, I didn't feel that way, but it's interesting <laughs> that uh, that uh, the Blade felt didn't feel that way at first, and then upon <laughs> second viewing did. So I'm, I'm like an earworm. I get in there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to equate yourself with that. That's not a good thing. What do you mean? Uh, you don't just, want to be an earworm. You know, and that's a that's pe- what we do. We are earworms on the internet. I guess, but I, I'm more like I think we're I think we're like songbirds. We're not like we're parasites. Have you heard our intro? We're not songbirds. Yeah, we're not songbirds in the light in the slightest. Birds make loud noises. We might. Well, what the, what's the really annoying bird? Oh, in in New Zealand, there's a uh, I think it's the kakapo, which is a, a parrot. Okay. that gets drunk <laughs> uh, eating berries. Well, and falls over and like destroys cars. It's the worst. Because we're talking about Hellboy. Me and that parrot have a lot in common i decided to break out the the whiskey for this one because oh boy 
The kakapo, also called the owl parrot, is a species of large, flightless, nocturnal, ground-dwelling parrots. <laughs> Here's to you, kakapo. Yeah, there you go. Oh, God. Okay. I uh, got another email here from Gareth. You want to read this Yeah, out? I do. I do. I do. So Gareth chimed in. Hello, Gareth. Uh, you remind me of the babe. Uh, I really appreciate your conversation about trailers because I have some passionate feelings about this topic. And he goes on to say how it's kind of it's hard to avoid trailers these days because they are, especially if you're on the internet all the time, like I am, they bombard you. Um, but Matt said that the Marvel uh, films are getting good at doing trailers. But Gareth, uh, he says that he still, uh, unfortunately, uh, is quite upset at Marvel for Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically citing two major spoilers. Uh, one, Mjolnir being destroyed by Hela, and two that the Hulk is revealed. Yeah, spoiler um, alert. Uh, <laughs> um, but he also goes on, uh, I also want to put forward a candidate whose trailer art I really appreciated. Love them or hate them, the new Star Wars movie had a great strategy for trailer spoilers. They misdirect us with a fake cliffhanger and spoiler. Uh, remember when Force Awakens trailer made us think that uh, Finn was going to be the Jedi, and remember when the last Jedi trailer made us think that Leia was going to die. Important moments were preserved because they made the exciting popcorn trailer that leans away from the actual plot, What I appreciated, uh, which I appreciate a lot. Uh, I also also imagine if the Darth Vader scene from Rogue One was spoiled, or also imagine that. 10 out of 10 strat. Thank you, Gareth. Um, um, wait a minute. Didn't the last... Je- I mean, uh, I, I don't recall the last Jedi trailer, um, but Leia did die in the last Jedi. Did not. Princess Leia. Princess Leia's not dead. Oh, yeah, she's not dead. See, that's how much I've forgotten yeah. that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, right. so oh, I lost all my street cred right there in one sentence. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, nerd cred. Nerd cred's different than street cred and nerd culture. Uh, n- Don't think I ever had nerd street cred. It's probably good because there needs to be a culling, I think. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um... I don't know, Gareth, if I entirely agree with the Thor Ragnarok example. Now, while I can see being disappointed by seeing events happen that you would rather be surprised with, I 100% sort of uh, agree with that. I don't think that Thor Ragnarok, um, because especially because it was a Taika Waititi joint, uh, was going to be sort of a comedy action film, right? Right. So... I wasn't too worried about, like, spoilery type things. I wanted the yucks, if that makes the most sense. So knowing that and seeing the trailer, I was not disappointed. or I I wasn't going at it for, like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to Thor. That was never a thing for me. Uh, Whereas, for instance, uh, Endgame or Infinity War, I think the trailers did a very good job because the culmination of the plot is actually the point as opposed to... uh, you know, Ant-Man's a heist movie. Thor now is a comedy. Uh, and while you can be disappointed 100% with sort of things being revealed, I just found that I wasn't um, because it just sort of raised the stakes for me that made sort of Hela seem like a legit person that's not a Malkaeth or not um, Loki, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, I look, if, if you're going in it for that, I 100% can see that. Uh, right. And I do think that the Star Wars trailers are doing some good work, especially when... Uh, Star Wars is in such dire fan straits in a weird sort of... The, the Star Wars community is quickly becoming um, uh, more toxic than the Overwatch community. I don't, I don't know. There, there's just toxicity all over the damn place. I mean, just do what I do. Don't watch the trailers. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, no, I, I'm completely d- separated from this toxicity you're speaking of. I don't, you know, like, 
I don't know any of these topics, so I'm like, well, the Star Wars I'm, stuff isn't from the, the no, none of the toxicity is from the trailers. The Star Wars thing is obviously from all the the. I don't even know who the hell they are, but these people that were trying to like the people that get into like real heated arguments about not whether or not like Star Wars, the Last Jedi is good, but like the people that sign petitions to ban it from canon and all that. I do notice, like like for example, the uh, the new uh, Todd Phillips Joker trailer came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I didn't, uh, I saw like a couple of seconds of it and then I turned sure. it off. Um, and I noticed there's like this, it became this whole sort of uh, flashpoint for discussing whether the the Joker is kind of a an embodiment of toxic masculinity and stuff. And I was like. Like, this is re- the thing that's fascinating here is that nobody's seen the movie, so nobody actually knows. But everyone's just everyone's, you know, everyone's putting out their two cents, thinking that it's worth well, if more. If you see the if you see the trailer, uh, I mean the the way that it positions itself is, you know, you know what's interesting about the Joker trailer. I think it literally positions itself as every like, uh, white dude inadequacy problem rolled into one, but then with clown makeup. And we've seen that movie sans clown makeup a lot of times that people falling down or like, you know, whatever, like the movie falling down. Yeah. 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 But like, just like we've seen that, we've seen that, we've seen the journey. We haven't seen the movie. So we've seen the journey that the trailer is hinting at before. And I can see why that discussion is happening. I don't particularly care one way or the other. I'm interested in seeing it and seeing what Mm. it is. Yeah. Um, I will point out, uh, we're next week. We're going to be doing, uh, what is this movie? Uh, of, uh, what is it called? Avengers, yeah. Avengers end game. Uh, I have not watched a single trailer for this thing. I haven't seen an image. I know I've, I've seen the poster and that's about it so far. So I'm kind of like, what, what I love about not watching the trailers and this happened in Hellboy as well is that by the time the movie starts, I'll kind of sit there and go, wait, what am I watching again? You know, like I just have this complete like <laughs> blank slate where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm about to get right now. I think that's where you and I differ, man. <laughs> I love the buildup. <laughs> and the, and I will gladly, nine times out of ten, again, there's always my Terminator 2 <laughs> moments and whatnot, but like I will always gladly give a little bit of like, uh, of um, I, I don't know if it will call it freshness or a bit of a, of a, I won't even call it surprise, but just like that new like ripping the package open for the first time of a thing feeling to actively be able to engage in a film and its hype sort of before it comes out longer especially if the trailer is phenomenal right um i i i just i i guess i'm just enjoying i enjoy kind of just an experience of like trying to see you know seeing moments in a movie for the very first time in the scenes that they're supposed to happen sure i also do enjoy the act of watching a trailer and then deciding if i think the trailer is going to be good or not or the movie's going to be good or not based on the tropes that the trailer tries to play right um case in point we were talking about you were we were going to bring up while we were talking this trailer discussion from from gareth um uh favorite trailers yeah I, well whatnot. that was yeah my next topic was what what i mean what's the, yours well here's the thing is i actually do love a great trailer like i love i love the feeling i get from a great trailer but you now have transitioned to seeing them after the film yeah, so, which is actually my- a different experience yeah so for example um i think my favorite recent trailer um for a movie that i was sort of mixed on was if beale street could talk i think that trailer for if beale street could talk which i watched after seeing the movie is beautiful yeah. it's a really stunning stunning trailer and it like it gives me all the feels that i kind of think i missed in the movie Aww. and i really want to see that movie again because i've watched that trailer again. that's nice um some of the classic trailers that i love um i love uh magnolia Okay. P.T. Anderson's uh, trailer for Magnolia and um, the trailer for uh, Adaptation, which I love as well. And the one I'm sort of always curious by that, that I just remember, it was one of the first few experiences where I was like, I don't know what this is, but I got to go see this, was Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you remember the trailer for Eyes Wide Shut? I 
Oh yes, 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 yes. It's it was a, very yeah. It's a single shot where mm-hmm. and, and and Kubrick apparently cut it himself, and it was like one of the last things he did. Um, um, there's something about it. I won't. I think it's a little bit. What I'm going to talk about is a little bit older than that. But like old trailers, maybe past 2000, maybe. Yeah, like like uh, the old uh, world. Don't do not hold up. And I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, I I trailers have a less shelf life than a film does because a trailer is cut and styled to the I'll call it the zeitgeist of what what the advertising company thinks pop culture wants. Yeah. So you can make a trailer for once for a movie that's one thing but make it look like another thing. Uh, I mean, heck, even just for for yucks, you could look at Shining, the trailer for The Shining cut yeah, as a, a romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh, family uh, feel good drama. Um my my, when you asked me this question, uh, it's not it's not my favorite trailer, but I will say both trailers for Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. which we just watched again before this, uh, both the the Queen version and the more dramatic version, each were effective tools to get me pumped and trick me into thinking that it would be a good film. Yeah, both now both of those trailers. I actually, by the time the second one came out, that's when I started worrying because the tone shifted so much, and yeah. I was like, oh. So they're just taking cool one-off shots and building things around it, which is what the entire movie is. I mean, famously uh, with that film, the trailer company was brought in to recut the entire movie. And, and then they took that cut mm. and mashed it with the first cut, mm. and then they had a third cut. Um, that's always... Movie studios, if you're listening, and you should be, because who, there's no other podcast for you to listen to, uh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, dance with the one that brought you, and uh, show no, a little backbone. It may, it may, you know, like, I, I think... Maybe on a case like Suicide Squad, I don't know, is that the, you know, in some alternate universe, that risk might have paid off. You know, like maybe they would have like made this movie that everyone just flocked to because it was so wild and outrageous and felt like a music video. Yeah, but Unfortunately, they'd, but they'd have to make that movie and they it, didn't. It, that's not what the movie was. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just saying it was a But risk the trailers there I loved. Um, and, and you know what's funny? I think the trailers are the best thing about Suicide Squad. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. Um, um, but yeah, any, so... any, other, any other movie trailers? You know, like <sighs> I'm thinking like the movie, the, when I was growing up, the, the when I was growing up, back in my day, um, the, the, the market blitz that was impossible to miss or impossible to avoid and the thing that got me so excited one summer was uh batman mm-hmm. 19 i think it was 1989 yep. um the tim burton batman just the it was impossible to avoid that image it was impossible to get uh any more excited about that movie and i i think that is one of the great marketing blitzes yeah. of any movie it's kind of the you know the modern it's the the sort of precedent to the modern blockbuster. I will say the Iron Man trailer, the first mm, Iron Man trailer. Good. Me and Carla Houston, uh, mm. you, which you can listen to, a uh, fantastic filmmaker and comic book writer uh, who was on our Captain Marvel episode. Yeah. Um, she and I, when we were editors for MTVU, yeah. when it came out, we were in my edit and we watched that thing like 13 times. Really? Uh, and we were just watching it. We're like, how are we excited about an <laughs> Iron Man movie? Like, You know what excited me about that trailer? And it was like it was just this thing. I was like, because that to, remember that's two thousand and eight. So that's the year the Dark Knight came out. It's mm-hmm. also the year Hellboy two came out. Um, was the fact that when Iron Man was flying, his arms were shaking. Yep, that was a really big deal for me because Superman had come. Uh, Superman Returns had come out, I think, the year before, and there was something about Superman Returns that felt entirely ethereal and false in a way. And there was something about the way Iron Man's arms and limbs were shaking in the air and vibrating that felt unstable. And I just I loved that image. I remember seeing that image and going, "Ooh, 
I'm in. Yeah. I'm in for this movie. It yeah. was just that's literally the only image I remember from that trailer. But it it, it, it got me. Robert Downey Jr. is what <laughs> sold me for that. Really, a hundred percent. I do mm-hmm. like that they did that. And actually, I'm sad that a lot of the and I get the escalation of like the whole thing sort of blowing up. I'm sad that sort of Iron Man has lost a bit of that. Like now he's basically like a tech wizard. Yeah, that's. I, I think I said that yeah. in the last. The, is like my my sadness is that he's a magic man now. Yeah, it's, to the it, point where he gets stabbed and he lives. You know, spoilers uh, for. I won't. I won't <laughs> say that that's it. People get stabbed in the abdomen all the time in movies and and then shoot a, a, a gel or a bandage on them and they're fine. Um, but that, but I don't like it that uh, it's like extremists without the extremists and like we're... It's yeah, like, he's oh, just, it's all he's just magic man now. Yeah, yeah you know, whatever. <laughs> um, one more, just quick one from uh, The Blade. Uh, I still want to hear, not a full episode, but a word or two about your collective feelings on Aquaman. We the haven't art. seen it. Uh, well, he's, that's why he's asking me. Oh. Uh, the art of spectacle versus lots of spectacle. Uh, and uh, The Blade voted for High Life. Uh, if a movie is just bad, that's no fun. It doesn't suit your style of discussion. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you hard, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm using your first name because of how much I disagree. Um, I think we are going to have a rootin' tootin' good time discussing how we got here. How the <laughs> hell, boy, did we get here? Oh boy, here we go. Um, I'm gonna just buckle in here. Do you see. want? Do you want some whiskey before we start? No, no. I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah oh, good. come on, it's gonna help. <laughs> I promise. Uh, I'm too tired for whiskey at this point. I'm, I'm exhausted. Oh, right now. send me anyway. on my way. So, um, 2004. Oh, such a good year. What else happened in 2004? I'm uh, Moon Shoes? No, that was like the 90s. Uh, <laughs> 2004. Uh, a young upstart filmmaker by the name of Guillermo del Toro oh. releases a film into the theaters oh. called Hell Boy, based on a Mike Mignola comic book, which is not one of the more popular comic books. I don't day. like the Hellboy comics. I okay. said it. Okay. I said it, and it's not that I like actively dislike them. I've right. tried picking them up like once or twice and reading through a full like mm. graphic novel, and nothing about them grabs me. Mm. And I think it's the art style, not that it's bad art by any means, the imagination, but like I am held back a lot. I find in animation or comic books by a style that I don't instantly grab onto, and that's to my detriment. Like right. for instance. Uh, this is a little bit of different of a medium, but Bob's Burgers. Right. I was turned off to Bob's Burgers because I disliked intensely the animation style for so long. Wow. Um, and but I I started watching it because everyone was like whatever, and then you know you obviously get used to it, and now it's one of my absolute favorite shows ever made. Right. And it that is because I have an instant bias to things that. I don't like visually right away. And that's, I have that's been understandable. I've been trying to work through that. I think around that period I was going through a phase where I remember uh, I would go to the Wellington Public Library and just and grab graphic novels and just I would just be pouring through graphic novels that period. And I, I did pick up a couple of Hellboys. I also remember um, this was around the same time that James Cameron announced that he was doing Battle Angel Alita. I think it was around that period. And I was reading that as yeah. well as the same time as Hellboy and another great graphic novel called Concrete, which was really, really cool. Um, and I yeah, I look. I I think I I I grabbed Hellboy because I knew the movie was coming out, and I just kind of wanted to see what it was all mm. about. Uh, but it was it was certainly not something that I really really got invested in. It wasn't certainly it certainly wasn't something that I um, really uh, that I that I ever kept going with. But I did go to see the movie in the theater. Yeah. Um, and I did. He, the thing about it was that I felt that I. That I didn't really connect with the movie. This is the the complaint I have with Guillermo del Toro movies. In yeah, general. you don't you don't connect with his films. I don't connect with his films, but I think they're all beautiful. And mm. I and there's nothing about them I would change. It, you know, like well, I, I think, think you change things to make you connect. No, with them. I wouldn't. I I, I think well, you know, like I, I, I don't said, understand. I, I said Pan's Labyrinth is a perfect film. 
It is an absolute. But you don't connect with it. But I don't connect with it. I but then, then it's I, not perfect. No, it is perfect. It, it's, no, it's I, not. By it's, definition, it is. It is, it is ab- objectively, in my opinion, I can watch that and go. I think every moment of this film is absolutely perfect. Sure. I don't. It doesn't resonate with me for some reason, and I don't know why that is. I don't. Ah, that's that's a logical fallacy. No, in it's my not opinion. a logical fallacy. Because it is the is the ability to watch movies objectively. No, no, no. But check it out. Here's the deal. So it's a perfect film. One hundred percent. But hold on, perfect. hold on, hold on. Yeah. Now, picture that film, but you connect with it. Is that a more perfect film? No. So, for example, Yitu Mama Tambian is not a perfect film, in my opinion, but uh-huh. I re- it resonates with me so well. I don't think it's a perfect film. I guess then the, 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 the hang-up then, and, and this will be an agree-to-disagree moment, I think, is for me the definition of perfect film. No, you, you're, I think what you're doing is you're doing a reverse engineering of an experience to what the, the film's definition must be. Or the, you're saying if your experience is this, then the film's qualitative ex, uh, thing is that, which I, don't, which I think is actually a logical Well, I don't fallacy. think there's such a thing as a perfect film, because if there was a perfect film, then every based on the human experience, then every person would think it's the perfect film. I think that... that the definition pan, of perfect. I, I, okay, well, as a film critic, I'm going to say... Pan's Labyrinth is is a is an absolutely perfect film, and in so much as I wouldn't change a frame of that film, I think every moment in that film is perfectly earned, and I think the the writing of that film is just beautiful. So you wouldn't want to make it so you like it. I just don't know what it is about it that I don't quite connect. But with. say you did know that. But I don't. I, okay. Well, we're not going to go And we've, 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 we've had this conversation about Game But we're going to keep Cause doing we, it. Because we had this conversation about The Shape of Water as well. Uh-huh. Um, and... The thing about Hellboy that I was sort of really struck by was that two thousand four Hellboy, two thousand four Hellboy <laughs> I just was make that, that very clear. Was that I? I just remember the final scene between Liz and Hellboy. You know where they're kind of like engulfed in flames yep. and making out, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really loving moment." Like this That's is a, a very, hard thing to pull off. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh." He actually really cares about these characters, and he's really invested in making sure the relationship between these two characters is as important, if not more important, than the sort of fantastical elements. Like, yep. Hellboy, to me, uh, when I when I went sort of, sort of felt like a weirder, slightly more kind of convoluted version of Men in Black. You know, like it was a big sort of supernatural it's kind of... It's a more of, emotional version yeah, of Yeah, goofy comedy, but then this, this, this ending to it, I was like, whoa, this is really... Heartfelt. There and, is and, heart in it. Yeah, yeah and sincerity to it. And I, the, w- I mean, I, how did you feel about the the first Hellboy? I mean, ex- exactly the same, except it did actually connect with me in the way that uh, Del Toro films do connect with me. Right. Um, I, I, I remember you not digging Shape of Water too much. Or no, I, li- I, I like Shape of Water a lot. Yeah. Go, we'll go back and listen to that one. That one, uh, I've gotten into. I've gotten into large. Long arguments uh, with uh, my better half uh, <laughs> okay. about the shape of water. She did not like it, and I mm. defended quite ardently. Okay, um, but uh, Hellboy, I was just getting out of college and into the work and force, and uh, man, <laughs> I really, I really liked it. It, it, it felt to me like taking an edge lord frown and turning it upside down. <laughs> Uh, and like, cause it's all like dark and bullshit and broody, but then at the right moments, and I think this is where a, a fantastic director and someone who knows how to do this timing comes in, they flip it on its head with a little bit of comedy and calling out how ridiculous this stuff is, but never, um, and I will say there's issues with the original Hellboy. I think that, uh, actually a podcast we were just on with an episode coming out, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, the test of time co- podcast with, uh, James and Alan. Oh, it should be the test of time podcast. Podcast? Podcast. Just a fishing podcast? Oh, yeah. Just about, well, figure out what lures you want to use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, on their 
episode on Hellboy, which you should all listen to. Um, they the 2004 episode. Um, they called out that like one of the worst parts about Hellboy was that he keeps fighting the like self multiplying monster over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and so it makes the action monotonous while everything else is really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best moments is when like Krieger, the clockwork Nazi, who holy shit to this day I think that character design is the coolest thing in that movie. Yeah. All the character designs in that movie are Guillermo del Toro knows brilliant. how to design characters, uh, and then you see this movie and Krieger has a as a very small cameo and. Mm-hmm. No one gives a shit. Yeah. Um, but so I just think that like that film had so much heart and care, like what you said to their characters. Um, and Ron Perlman um, was phenomenal. I think the the uh, Del Toro and Perlman together really sold it. And what what made me sad and Golden Army is good too. Uh, Hellboy. Too. I remember Golden Army being very elaborate. Um, yeah. And and again the the scene. Okay, so you know I I don't remember these films too well. Um, but the scene that really struck me was the the large tree that. Uh, that dies yes. in the, in in the you know spoilers for Hellboy to the Golden <laughs> Army, but it was like the movie was like really upset about this tree dying, even though you know like ultimately the, the tree was the villain in the sequence, and I was like there, there was just something about that, and having seen Hellboy two thousand nineteen, I was like oh wow you know Guillermo del Toro he really does love the things he makes, and it really shows. Here's the deal. Guillermo del Toro cares about monsters. He acknowledges that they are monsters, Mm. and sometimes you have to put monsters down. Yeah. But he cares about monsters. And that is something that most action films that dive into sort of the darkness, I attack the darkness, uh, do not do. Right. Uh, The Underworld films, Resident Evil films, anything sort of like that, the monsters are things that are bullet sponges, and that's pretty much it this and in hellboy both both uh 2004 and 2009 uh has pathos for the thing that they are fighting yeah um and i think that's important in in all films when you have antagonists and i think that's forgotten a lot because a lot of times people just think oh well we'd love it to see the giant monster get shot with a flamethrower and you're like cool (laughs) um so so that's sort of my history with that. And I think what made me quadruply sad and also not terribly interested in seeing Hellboy, uh, this new one, uh, before the Rotten Tomatoes uh, <laughs> kerfuffle uh, was the fact that both Del Toro and Perlman were both like, yeah, I'd love to do another one. Yeah. And the well, st- I- and, and the studio decided that that wouldn't be a good idea. Well, it's just that I think Hellboy 1 and 2 weren't huge money makers. But they weren't money losses. And it also got what Hellboy was and what Hellboy felt like into the public into the like the public zeitgeist to right. to a point. Not not like it was like super saturated like a Marvel or a DC film, yeah. but people knew people you said Hellboy and way more people knew about it after those films than before those films. Right, right. Um and I think, you know, like we can all agree that Del Toro finishing out that trilogy would have been a great moment. A you know, and, 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 and there's no way you can deny like Del Toro has never phoned it in. No. He's never so, ever phoned it in. So both both lead driving forces of two profitable, I won't even say successful, I will just say profitable films hmm. want to come back. They won't do it. Well, their asking price is probably pretty high at this point as well. But don't you think that the clout behind Shape of Water and all that stuff and 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 his ability a specific rim like he can do both he can do the art film with the monsters and he can do the stupid action movie with the monsters Pacific Rim made bank 
Uh, the second one did not. And you can sort of see, oh, look, what happened? There's a blueprint. This is where I get crazed. There's a blueprint for this exact thing. Right. Take this amazing director and give him an oddball property. And granted, Hellboy was not the profit monster that Pacific Rim was because it didn't have giant mechs Pacific fighting Rim kaiju. Pacific made its movie overseas. Yeah, it, I know. It didn't, uh, didn't I, But it doesn't matter. It made, it made bank. Uh, this, and so it has this thing, and then they made Pacific Rim Uprising. Hmm. And it's like, oh. So you can look at that, and then you see Hellboy, and you're like, let's get rid of the things that made this work. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, you know, like, yeah, you got you to gotta have producers on board who love the, who love the, who love the product. Um, so Hellboy reverted to another production company, Millennium Films, who um, I think the CEO is a guy by the name of Andrew Lerner. Uh, it might be Andrew, I'm not sure, Lerner is his last name, and who's famously on the record right now of uh, having hired um, Brian Singer to do Red Sonja and then fired him after the public uh, public outcry for it. The story, you know, uh, look, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot to say about Hellboy 2019. I, 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 I poured through reviews, I, I thought about the film as much as I could. Um, I, I Oddly, it's not the worst film I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah. painfully average yeah it was like it was just a you know it happened it happened in front of me and i was like and i was there i you know like i said to you um when we watched the movie as well i was like if i need to go pee during the movie and i'm into a movie i will hold it you know like i really really will hold on to it and this was one where i was like i'm good i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to the bathroom right now and i came back and i felt like i missed nothing um i i am very hopeful for neil marshall you know, like I love the descent. I had such a brilliant experience the watching. The descent is great. It's phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I have such high hopes for him. He directed the Blackwater episode of Game of Thrones. He also directed uh, the uh, uh, Wildling attack on um, on the on the uh, what's the big wall <laughs> on the wall? Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, the wall. The wall. Um, so you know, I, I just had high hopes for Neil Marshall. I I found some really fascinating stories about the the making of this film. Okay. Uh, that Share were really them. well. The thing that I got really hooked into, uh, which has almost nothing to do with the movie, um, was the story of Charlotte Kirk. Have you heard of Charlotte Kirk? Um, it sounds familiar. She's an actress. And the the interesting story about Charlotte Kirk. This, now this is so the, the, you can tell how much how little I've invested in like discussing Hellboy because I was just so much more in, taken by the story of Charlotte Kirk. Charlotte Kirk is a is an actress who had an affair with, uh, I believe Britt. Ra- oh no, she was she was dating James Packer, okay. and then um, and then she uh, moved on and had an affair with. Uh, Kevin uh, Sujahari, uh, who is the former head of Warner Brothers. We're now the only podcast mm-hmm. about movies, page seven edition. Yeah, you know, we're totally, this is all gossip, and I, I love this story. But but uh, reportedly, between having these two affairs with these two very fairly powerful men, um, she was basically like hanging over their heads that she needs to get auditions for movie parts okay. and needs to be put into movies. And to the point where they were like, they t- took out lawsuits against her from like texting her. She was <laughs> While texting. they were still dating. And one of the movies that they were actively trying to, uh, basically, I think both of them tried to pawn her off to uh, Andrew Lerner, who, who produced um, Hellboy. And he, you know, like, he was basically trying to, not, no, no, hang on, I'm getting the story wrong. No, here. you got it. I, no, no. I'm following. Essentially, 
they were trying to get Charlotte Kirk into this movie uh-huh. in the Alice role. Uh-huh. And Andrew Luna was like, no, this ain't happening. I, I don't know. But for some reason, this and this is the, the fascinating part that I kind of came back to, uh, Neil Marshall started seeing Charlotte Kirk during the movie. And he... Pre- <laughs> I, I was like, this. Who is this woman? She must have like you know, like she must be like poison ivy or something. You know, like men are irre- you know she's absolutely Charlotte irresistible. Kirk. Charlotte Kirk, <laughs> but I do but, whatever okay. Charlotte Kirk does. So this this is my favorite. So I found this Hollywood Reporter. I, I know I've gone so far down You're a rabbit. You're a weird. Yeah, we'll weird get back bit. to the movie in a sec. Well, no, but listen to this. Okay, a rising director, Neil Marshall, has episodes of Game of Thrones and Westworld under his belt. Hellboy marks his highest profile film. He was so taken with Charlotte Kirk, according to a source that last summer Marshall left the Hellboy production while <laughs> which had begun shooting in the UK but was moving to Bulgaria so he could spend time with her leaving the project that at that point was highly unusual and Marshall barely returned in time to resume the shoot he then stunned associates by splitting with his longtime agent turned producing partner and abandoning other potential projects he and Kirk moved in together as Marshall devoted his time to pitching horror films that Kirk would not only star but would co-write and so, and then there's these, the, the rap has this amazing oh. article about the, the, the troubled production of Hellboy, including the fact that Neil Marshall's, um, uh, longtime cinematographer was fired. Uh, there's stories of like Neil Marshall battling with the producers on this film who all tried to ki- get a hand on it. And like, my mind is kind of connecting all the, I, I'm literally red pilling and like, you know, like Charlie, uh, I know on the board right the, now it's the, it's that, the that Charlotte Kirk is the, is the reason. <laughs> and, there's the reason why this film is the way. No, I, I don't. Look, again, this is all terrible, terrible page seven stuff. No, nope, but I, I like it. Let's look at Charlotte. <laughs> I'm looking up Charlotte Kirk right yeah. now on the internet box. But I just, I love, <laughs> this became so much more fascinating to me than the film itself. But the film, uh, oddly, kind of does feel unloved. Don't you think? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, this movie entirely is directionless. And I think, you know what? This is a straight up. Let's talk about the movie itself real yeah. quick. What are we? How, how far are we? 37 minutes? But, do you, but do you enjoy the Charlotte Kirk kind oh, of? Oh, it's great. The Charlotte, Kirk, Charlotte Kirk right now. Charlotte Kirk looks, looks like a combination of. Um, let's not do this thing. Let's not, let's not judge her. I'm not judging <laughs> her, but I want to. I, so uh, it, it's almost like a, a T Swift vibe. I'm getting a little bit. Okay. Uh, and I think it's. I'm just. I'm fascinated. I, I think there should be a movie about Charlotte about Kirk. Charlotte Kirk. Yeah, and and like and these and and the way that these men are kind of falling at their feet, and movies are being uh, destroyed. Uh, like I, I'm just the the, the fact that Neil Mar- like okay, I don't know if this story is purely speculative tabloid garbage. It was in the Hollywood Reporter. Um, the fact that Marshall like left the movie, I mean, if that's ca- true. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, um, but but you know what? It shows because the the beginning of this film when it's giving a little bit of the backstory about oh. Mila Jojovic's Jojovic or Jojovic. That's what it is. Jojovic, technically, and I always get it wrong. Um, uh, the Blood Queen. Yeah. Um, when it's her versus King Arthur is some of the most. <laughs> oh, it's rough. Boy. It's like the roughest five minutes. I think it's honestly it's the roughest five minutes of the film. Uh, and it's, pretty, it's a pretty bad. The start. rest of the movie is all average, and it kind of just washes over, and you're like, whatever. But like this is like grinding, and it was like it was the it's it's the cinematic equivalent of not only grinding your teeth, but feeling little granules of tooth come off in your mouth. Like it's it's that uncomfortable in its construction. Yeah, and the the uh, the thing I noted there was the comedy was just all. 
full three degrees off center. It was also voiceover, yeah, which yeah. I took to me yeah, but as the, they when they shot it, <laughs> they didn't know that that whole that there was going to be jokes. Yeah, yeah, that that's the thing. The the because it's voiceover, you go this 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 these jokes were written later, and they were all written badly. Side note: <laughs> almost half the jokes in this movie were written later because all the one liners that happen throughout this film are off camera. Yeah. Like so, they like changed jokes or added jokes into scenes that did not have jokes. You know what was re- the the joke? Uh, I know we haven't even really got into the film, but the joke that was so painful for me to watch was the fact like uh, Hellboy says something along, along the lines of "I always have a smart touch," and then he touches his phone and cracks it. And I was like, okay, I knew that joke was coming, but then they add the ADR line after the event, and they go, "Oh boy, not again!" And I was like. Do we need that? Did, yeah. Did, did you? And then they do it again. Uh-huh. They have that joke a second time. I couldn't believe they did that thing twice. But anyway, that that that's the level of comedy we're talking about here. Um, you know, I I just it it is it without a doubt is not the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Not I at like all, the, the vitriol it... that go, is that is going against this movie is. Undeserved in there, some respect. There should not be vitriol toward this movie. What? What? The, honestly, and this is actually worse than when there's vitriol because vitriol means you care about a thing mm-hmm. and you care enough to be mean to it. I don't care enough to be mean to this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, that I, was my feeling. I, yeah, that, like it, it. It is such baseline. It is literally like walking through air. That's the thing because we had this conversation last. Uh, was it last year about Deadpool two and the use of violence in, yep. the, in Deadpool two? And this is a film that kind of basically wears its violence on its sleeve, mm-hmm. and you know, like is ripping faces off and beheading, and people are being torn in half. But I didn't care an ounce there about was no, any it, of that. You know, it's interesting, I, and maybe it's because the violence in Deadpool happens to people, and a lot of the violence in this happens to monsters. I don't know. <laughs> um, I will say that. Okay, let I, I'm gonna start. Uh, singing uh, minor praises that don't matter. Okay, go. Um, first and foremost, I think that um, our boy, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Harbour? Hopper from, uh, yeah, <laughs> David Harbour, uh, Hopper from, from Stranger Things, does a good job at Hellboy. I don't think, I just don't think he has anything to do, and I think the prosthetic is absolutely crippling for him. At least Ron Perlman, you could see emotion in his face when he did stuff, and this looked like a mask to the point where sometimes, especially when he was fighting the trolls in England or whatever, or the giants. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, remember that happened? Because yeah. I didn't until right now, and I remembered this was the part where his mask looked like it shifted. Yeah. Like, you could see the lines where his mask was. It was just, the prosthetic was terrible. But right. his performance. And especially with Ian uh, McShane, I think they had a really good chemistry. I, I honestly did, but the script and the structure and everything around it really kneecapped it hard. I think Ian McShane's a great actor. You know, um, I obviously love him from Deadwood, but I kind of there was something about his performance where I felt like he just read the lines like the day before and then came in and just delivered. Oh, I'm sure he did. You know, like I didn't feel like there was any any give to this. But you know what's interesting? I actually. The voiceover from the first five minutes. That, from was that, that him? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But it felt like a completely different character from yeah. Ian McShane and the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it knocked me off balance for a little bit. And I was like, because he, because here's that, that line, that whole thing should have been Hellboy talking, but right. it was Ian McShane. Because the lines were like, oh, this is bullshit, or oh, no, that bit, like whatever the fuck the garbage writing yeah, yeah. was. It was called The Dark Ages for a fucking reason. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how that character talks. Right. <laughs> that's how Hellboy talks. And so. I think that, like, for whatever reason, hey, you know what? Let's have the old white guy read the beginning. Like, that's just sort of the trope at this point. Um, I think that um, 
the effects work, especially anything goopy, and there was a lot of goopy, <laughs> looked like a cartoon. I will say that one thing that I absolutely loved, loved, but it was completely inconsequential to the entire film, was the Baba Yaga sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baba that, Yaga that kind of rem- was reminiscent of a Del Toro sequence. Yeah. Baba Yaga is one of my favorite mythological monsters or or, or, or evil entities. I uh, there's a great in in the second Tomb Raider, um, the new the new boot of of Tomb Raider. Uh, there's an expansion where like you start fighting Baba Yaga, but it's not really oh, the game. Like, yeah, the, the game. Movie, yeah. Uh, and like, but it's actually like tribe uh, like a, a mountain tribe that's like drugging you and making you think you're seeing Baba Yaga and her hut. Like it's, I I'm a sucker for Baba Yaga, and really? I think they yeah, what did. about from Ant Man? I like that they <laughs> reference Baba Yaga in Ant Man, but you never see Baba Yaga. But like, she was terrifying and like engaging, and even though was a giant prosthetic monster, felt. Like a character. This is again. I think I'm going to lose all my credibility as a reviewer here. But I, I the thing was, after the first um, flashback to Hellboy's origin, which was being told to Hellboy, which was like watching a <laughs> shitty community theater remake of oh, the 2004 movie. It was a strange thing. I was like, why are they explaining how Hellboy got here to Hellboy? It, it fe- <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and it felt like. Like mediocre cosplayers were were taking all of the awesome characters from because they had every, they had Rasputin yeah they had Krieger they had um the and the Lobster Nazi jo- Lobster Johnson Lobster Johnson they had the the um the 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 Nazi uh, I can't remember the character's the scientist name. Or, yeah, the, yeah the scientist woman mm-hmm. like they were all there right and this that's okay that's another thing that I really had an I issue just with. what I I found my brain switching off at that moment because I because I just couldn't get over the hump of like. Wait, why? Are you, why is this character explaining the origin story of the character to this character as though he doesn't know it? I remember, Dad. Yeah, he, like he he seems to know. And I was like, Wait, is this just the point where you're going? Okay, the audience says no. We need to fill this in because it just makes it makes zero sense for this. Happen. So my point there is the 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 losing of street cred is after that hump, which I just really just couldn't get over. Um, why? What was the thing with Baba Yaga? What was he? Why was he fighting Baba Yaga? Okay, so Baba Yaga apparently, and and, and this is what I'm. Was this had to do with King Arthur? This was not set up well mm. at all. Yeah, the pig monster, which uh, was mm. tied in to Alice's yeah. uh, origin story about being cha- cha- uh, you know put by a changeling by fairies, and then Hellboy came in. Which actually, fun fact: young Hellboy in that sequence, way better makeup. Way better prosthetic. You should have just done the whole thing. I don't know why that wasn't a fucking thing, but whatever. I, I just love the voice of the Pig Monster played by Stephen Graham, who's yeah. a fantastic actor. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Pig Monster goes to Baba Yaga to try to get revenge on Hellboy. And Baba Yaga tells the Pig Monster about the Blood Queen. And then he, uh, the Pig Monster goes out to try to resurrect the Blood Queen. But then and then why, does, why does Hellboy fight Baba Yaga? Uh, I'm trying to remember, but he gets knocked back off. Um, oh, she takes him down to hell, doesn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because she wants to. She wants get to reunite on him as well. Well, she wants to unite the Hellboy and and the Blood oh, the Queen. Blood, oh, that's right. Because she tries to convince him that the Blood Queen is yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it will further the monster agenda or whatever. This I, is not the no... only mythology in this film as well. King Arthur's in here. But here's the deal. And Merlin. This is what one of the major problems of this film is. <laughs> Everything is a cameo. Yeah. Every character, even down to who are supposed to be the main characters outside of uh, Hellboy and his dad, are cameos. Yeah, I d- dude from Lost. Yeah. It's a jaguar Daniel Day, monster. Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, uh, ca- cameo. Alice Sasha uh, Stone uh, from um, American Honey. American Honey, so great in American Honey. 
so not there on this cameo. Yeah. Like every character has a Suicide Squad esque introduction. This is Katana. Don't no no. This is uh whatever. Don't let her blade touch you because yeah. it steals souls. And you're like, you know what I couldn't get over again. This is I, I know. Listen, listeners, I know we're being jumpy. I I really I I understand when we. I have I've no had two glasses of whiskey. I have no clear through line for this for how to discuss this movie. So we've we've determined let's not let's not dunk on it anymore. Let's not punch it. <laughs> no, up. but here's the here's the one thing that I was just sort of I, I just couldn't another thing I couldn't get over. Neil Marshall's British. This character, um, Alice, is supposed <laughs> to be British. Daniel Day Kim's character is supposed to be British. These are some of the worst British accents I've ever heard in my life. I, I, I was like, I can't believe they didn't they let this through. From a British director, because I, because because then the question I was asking was it had nothing to do with what was happening on screen. He the was qu- too busy with uh, um, <laughs> Charlotte, Kirk. Charlotte Kirk to give a crap about dialect <laughs> coaches. The thing that I was I was wondering was what was the purpose of this remake, and I and, and I didn't mean I don't mean that sort of facetious a grab. I, I don't mean that facetiously. I was I was meaning I was legitimately watching this going. What is the what is the aim here? Let's like, talk about it. And I and I was like because part of me was going. Is it supposed to bring Hellboy back into like a different realm where it's like he's in a British, a British character? Is that is that what we're trying to do? No, I think <laughs> it's like it's just like it's the same thing about like um what's the, what's one of the oh John is John Wick in England no what mm. what something else moved to England just recently oh MIB okay international is I it in, seen in the trailer yeah, yeah um a really good uh, use of some Fergie songs <laughs> um but I'm not even kidding the the if it's a song I think you're talking about it was really used well in Game of Thrones last week. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Meme-tastic. Um, R.I.P. memes in uh, the UK. Yeah. Um, so here's what I'm wondering. And you did a little more of a deep dive into the production like uh, of this <laughs> no because you had, well, no, you had nothing else to really talk about. Uh, <laughs> that's not a slight to you. That's a slight to the movie of not giving you enough fodder. Um, is there an argument to – is this is this an amazing Spider-Man situation? Are people trying to maintain rights by making a film? I, I wondered that as I was watching it because then because the other part of me was going great now we're like uh, one movie and an animated feature away from an amazing game if we're doing the Spider Man yeah. uh, trajectory um, I the the thing was it, is it didn't differentiate itself so far away from the original uh, from the original uh, Guillermo del Toro versions other than a couple of things one was the Britishness of it all. Which I was like, but just didn't work. And the second was the the violence, you well, know. So it's a hard R. Yeah. Um, and it celebrated the hard R. I watched a few of the trailers, and they were like, "Come to see Hellboy for all the gore you're gonna get." And I was like, "Is that really the reason people go to see movies?" I think people thought again. I think this is a post Deadpool world mm-hmm. where Deadpool did great, and they're like, "Why did Deadpool do great?" Mm. Oh, it's a superhero movie that's rated R. You know what's weird is I never saw the original Hellboy as a superhero film. Because it's not, you know, it didn't. It never felt like a superhero not, movie to me. Because it's not. This is where look a lot of superhero films, <laughs> and I love superhero films. <laughs> but almost part of the part of the deep seated outside of some of the really connective Avengersy things, part of the 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 guts of a superhero <laughs> movie when it gets big and stupid <laughs> is like consequence is adjusted. Right. And Hellboy 2004, even with all of its fantastical stuff, when it had like big, like giant, like sky beams or like whatever, mm-hmm. it was in Antarctica. Like, the, the, yeah. It, 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 and when it was in a museum, 
Mm-hmm. It was in a museum. Like it, it, it felt like you know grounded. Again, yeah, again, I, I sort of rather than superhero film, but I guess you could sort of you could draw the line to superhero film, but it felt more akin to Men in Black to me. Yeah, you know, which I I wouldn't necessarily say is a superhero film. I'd say it's sort of like a comedic sci-fi, you know, action adventure film. It depends on what. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, would, it's not quite there. I could I could really smash that round mm-hmm. peg into a square hole if I wanted to, but, but I it don't felt, care. To. It felt like this one for some reason was kind of like banging into that. I don't know if it was banging into the superhero thing or so, not. So, let's, so <laughs> really, I'm all over the map. No, with well, so this here's film. the deal. Here's the deal. Yeah. Um. So maybe it was an Amazing Spider-Man situation. Maybe yeah. they needed to make a movie to retain rights. Right. Which, in that case, is just sad. Let them go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Elsa running on the ocean. Let it go. <laughs> um, oh, you haven't watched that trailer. You don't know. I, I have actually seen that. Uh, I've oh, seen that moment. I haven't seen the trailer. Someone's breaking the rules. I haven't seen the trailer. I've seen that moment. Oh, well, that's yeah. half the trailer. So and you, I, I have you've this... seen Frozen 2, Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> um, but the... Okay. This film, to me, represents the apotheosis... <laughs> Of reboot culture. Okay. It takes everything wrong with the idea of remaking a work of art mm-hmm. and rolls it together in one easy and forgettable consumable package. Not only is it, it it's not like, so no one, first and foremost, it it uh, it has, no one is, was asking for another Hellboy movie. <laughs> no <laughs> one. Guillermo del Toro and yeah, yeah, Ron yeah, yeah, Perlman. Yeah. Except, here's the deal, except for the actual people that made it special. Yeah. But they said, nah, nah, bro. Mm. We're going to, we got this. Hold our beer. And they continued on and they made this thing that I don't know. This is the epitome of a reboot that 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 I think is the problem with rebooty culture. When you make a reboot that makes you forget the property more than you had already forgotten it, hmm. it's the equivalent of a Men in Black zapper. Like, I care less about Hellboy now, if yeah. that makes sense, because I see that the people in control of the IP, as far as the movie is concerned, care less about Hellboy than they used to. And that, to me, is the cardinal sin of of reboot culture. It's reboot culture at its worst. Mm. Because while I do think that there are certain people in this film that actually gave a shit, I actually think David Harbour gave a shit. Mm. Uh, I think David Harbour tried real fucking hard. Well, he has to. It's like it's a big break for him. And also, I think, you know what? You know what's interesting? I think, I don't know if try hard is the same as have a good time. I think Mila uh, Jovovich had a blast she Be- tweeted about it recently about like how she was uh, all her great films had scathing reviews as far as she's concerned. And and <laughs> and look, I am a fan of the Resident Evils. I am a fan of Mila Jovovich. Like yeah. no question, yeah. she is one of my favorite sort of I guess horror, horror uh, like scream horror. queens. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, not she, even a scream queen, like yeah, action a, heroine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I got to give props to like finding her own franchise and making, you know, and like what is it, nine films now? Uh, like six. Six films now, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. So, so, and I've, I, oh God, she's every, everything I see her in, I like her in, and except Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet was a pure, unadulterated piece of shit, and actually started me on the movie reviewing path. <laughs> so, but even, even though Ultraviolet was probably one of the worst films I'd ever seen, I still have to give Mila Jolovich credit. You've pronounced her name like four different ways this I have, episode. I, well, I've been drinking. <laughs> I mean, I almost knocked over my whiskey. Uh, <laughs> Mila, Mila. Yovabach. Mila Jumamanjovich. <laughs> I, I, I really love you. Um no. Call me. So 
So <laughs> my point is that like I think that she gave it her all of what was there. Yeah. I think a lot of the actors here might have actually given a shit. It just feels like a rudderless, pointless endeavor that that taints, for lack of a better term, <laughs> and otherwise pretty well received film franchise yeah i mean i there was a i think screen crush put out a list of the uh the, the top uh ranked uh all the superhero films and, and uh, hellboy 2 came out number two or something like that hellboy number two. 2 is great yeah um hellboy 1 is great i just want to watch those movies again it's and well here's the thing okay ultimately if I have nothing interesting to say about this film, find more dirt on it. I, I no, I just I just have nothing that I can really draw, you know like I like to to try and find an angle to discuss a film. And is I, this the first I, time you haven't? I really I struggled so hard with this one. I, I your like, angle was page seven, which was you never do. <laughs> I was just literally just finding gossip tabloid stuff. Um, but but there is no reason. There's no way to recommend this film in any possible light. Nope. The, the, Every part of Hellboy one and two, the two thousand and four two thousand and eight vision uh, versions, is superior in every single way, and so there's no point to seeing this film. There's just, it's it's just it's impossible to find any angle. Uh, I don't. I the, the 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 way the violence is deployed is juvenile at best. Uh, but but most but but most effective is it's completely inconsequential and it does nothing for you. It doesn't. It doesn't scare you. It doesn't surprise you. It doesn't give you, you know, the the, the sort of catharsis of of gore. Um, it, it just it does nothing. This movie feels like someone watched the actual film of Suicide Squad <laughs> and said, "That's a great idea," <laughs> because they literally do turn action. Mo- I'm can oh can we please be fucking done with the idea that we're going to make little music videos during action scenes? Oh yes, yeah. Let's talk about the editing in this movie. Uh it just it's just. <laughs> I am done. I am done. I don't need to hear kickstart my heart while you fight fucking demons for the umpteenth time. I don't need it. It is bad. It is played out. It is trite. It was It was innovative in 2007. No, but you know who's really great at this stuff and uh, is Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle is the master of musical action set pieces. I would argue that Edgar Wright is yep. the and, master and of musical Edgar action Wright set pieces. Edgar Wright in equal measures. Um, and and those that's are, not what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but those are the people who can do what we're talking about. Yeah. Because, because in those cases, I think with the Danny Boyle or Edgar Wright, is that, they, is that the music is fully integrated into the sequence and is fully conceptualized with the music in mind. I'm this, nodding my head. Yeah, this feels like the music was added um, post-Neil Marshall's departure. I really want to speak to filmmakers right now, particularly ones that are guilty <laughs> of this, and because they're all listening, because this is the only podcast about movies. <laughs> I've been there, okay? <laughs> I've looked at footage and an action sequence and been like, what if we put this to the Ace of Spades? Mm-hmm. And you do it, and you do it in the edit room, and you're like, yeah, this is pretty metal. (laughs) But it's only metal to you. It doesn't help your project. It doesn't help the film. It doesn't help the story you're trying to tell. And no amount of like, hey, this was neat as a joke will actually help the project that you are doing. Resist your edgelord urges, and you will prosper. And this movie... Absolutely does not. Yeah. Um, I, 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 
I went in with the lowest of expectations, and I didn't even uh, come close to hitting the bar. But the unfortunate thing is, you know, like you said, I I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I guess I wasn't. I wasn't there enough to be offended by the movie. Um, I'm not angry at. I, I, you know what? Here's the thing: the film itself is not anger worthy. Right. What is anger worthy is the fact that the film that is made that we are talking about, the 2019 Hellboy, which should have had a subtitle because fuck you, movie industry, uh, is so forgettable that it taints the otherwise two great films already in the franchise. I, I don't think it taints the other two. Films. I think it does. I think it makes them ultimately really? more forgettable. Yeah. You mean what, in the uh, public? In the public eye, if this is the last, I, thing, I think. I think what you're trying to say is it taints the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think it taints the films. I think those two films stand sure. up on their own. Yes. I think it taints, I think it the, taints brand. the brands. It, it, it makes it harder for us to see more Hellboy stuff in the future. Right. And uh, but I could, I could, I could fully envision a world where there is a triumphant return sure. of Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman to finish out the series, as though Hellboy th- in 2019 never happened. But even so, we're still going through it now, and we still dedicated an hour to it. We still watched two hours of it <laughs> in the theater. So, And we are saying to you right now, if you've made it this far listening to us, uh, a little whiskey drunk. Um, Me. Yeah. Shahir's being very good. I'm just tired. Um, <laughs> is that, please, don't, don't, don't pay money to see this movie. Don't don't go see this movie. Watch it, it on HBO. No, you know what? No, you know how I always say like, oh, watch it when it's streaming or watch no, it. No, I it's never free. say that. I, always, I, know, I, I, like, I said, do you know how I always say that? Oh, I thought you said we. No, not we. <laughs> I'm not putting words in your mouth. Um, don't <laughs> Put those words in my mouth. Don't don't do it. Don't watch this movie ever. Wow. There's there's literally no point except if you can find the Baba Yaga sequence somewhere. <laughs> it's neat, and if you like that sort of angle of mythology, it's a cool take. I think um, that's the first time I've ever heard you say that. Yeah, that that you have a wholehearted anti recommendation. Don't see it. Wow. This the, you, you. This is what broke you. You're literally. I'm drinking. <laughs> I don't normally drink. So same night movie review was the, was the you, movie I mean, review project you, did, that did I you, that you, I that I actually did before Shahir and I did the only podcast about movies with Stephen no, Buscher. There was no podcast before me. Don't lie. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that, the whole gimmick was uh, one shot being the best and five being the worst because the worse a movie is, the more alcohol you need to do it. And I went back to my roots. Stephen mm. Buscher, uh, you would be proud because <laughs> I this movie was so uh, painfully unpainful. <laughs> I don't think even... you even said this about Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, <laughs> I was angry at because I saw potential. I'm, lo- I'm going back through movies right now. I'm just like looking. I was like, Keep what? going, man. Alien Covenant? Alien Covenant could have been great. Yeah, but would you recommend people seeing it? Huh. <laughs> Alien Covenant. No. I, w- I, w- I uh, Only if they do the Justice fingering. League. Justice League. Justice League <laughs> isn't bad if you're on an airplane and you have a lack of oxygen. What? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> It's free. Again, these uh, Cloverfield are... Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say watch that. It's dumb. Oh, my God. It's dumb as shit. <laughs> this movie, but this movie, I can't even get to the point of being like, it's stupid or it's bad. There's too many things. If we're going back to my constant mathematical equation of trying to figure out the logistics of like what the value of a thing is, this is so base. Like It's so zero sum that... It's literally the only thing that's not a zero sum is the time you'll spend watching it, and then it's intrinsically a negative. So don't watch it. Wow, you finally did. I, I think we finally found, we found the moment where you have a negative recommendation. I don't think we've ever seen that, right? Well, what is it? Episode two eleven, two twelve. Yeah, we finally did it. We did it. Hellboy. This has been the only podcast about the two thousand nineteen Hellboy. Hellboy. I hope you're proud of yourself, buddy. Uh, Shahir. <laughs> when you are not, not. 
emotionally engaging with Del Toro's filmography? Where can folks find you? You can find me reading page seven, um, <laughs> pulling all the tab- tabloid uh, conspiracy theories together at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are now not the bastion of negative movie reviews, the 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 soul of uh, soulless movies, the, the purveyor of pretentiousness uh, in you cinema. You said three different thoughts I know, of what I am. And none of I'm them, drunk, but I'm not that drunk. None of them actually make any sense. Sure. None of those words actually connect together. But where can people find you? Oh, well, people can find me uh, making a slightly more sense than what you just said. <laughs> just just barely under that bar. At M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z, or on PSN if you want to do it. I just changed my name to that. Come play some Warframe with me. And finally, you can check out my stuff on Extra Credits, we are doing some fantastic stuff. I believe by the time this drops, we will be doing a mythology series, not on Baba Yaga, sadly, uh, but we will be doing our second one on Persian myth about Zal and Rudaba, and it's a love story, so please go check that out. And then uh, I believe on Wednesday, we're going to be doing a uh, spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about a how technical debt can ruin uh, video game projects. Actually, maybe some technical debt helped ruin Hellboy. Mm-hmm. So check out that stuff. I'm, I'm still going through movies yeah. Um, uh, what else we got? Batman v Superman. Uh, there's some memes in it that are pretty worthwhile. The lobster. The lobster. The first ninety percent of it is fucking great. Spotlight. Uh, it's pretentious, <laughs> but like I Ugh. still think people should watch it. Uh, the accountant. I had fun. <laughs> <laughs> we can just keep going. Uh, also, email us in your favorite yes. movie trailers at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod or try and figure out a movie that you would negatively review for Matt. We have a special episode that we're working on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's admit to it now. The birthday episode. Okay, so it is, yeah. so, so the 26th of April is my birthday, and the 28th of April is your 29th, birthday? Yeah. 29th. So we're three days apart, which is weird. <laughs> so weird. Um, but so Shahir had this great idea, and I'm going to butcher it, and I'm going to steal his thunder. I don't know we're if it's going a great to, idea. It's just an idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> uh, where we're going to, for the gift of the podcast and the gift to us, we're going to find films that we both think the other one would enjoy. We're not trying <laughs> to spite the other person. We're not trying <laughs> to trick them, and we're not trying to educate them. Yeah. We are trying to find something that both, A, the other host has not seen, and that we think that they would thoroughly enjoy. We're and trying we're, to give the gift of movies. The gift of movies. So we're going to do that, figure out what those movies are, watch them, and then come on and do an episode talking about them. And I think it's great. I think Shahir has an easier job than me, because <laughs> I think Shahir has seen more films that I would relate to than I have seen the films that, that you might well, like. Well, I, I, I think the other, the, the inverted side of this that I thought would just be fun to explore is how well do we actually know each other's taste? I might be completely wrong. But I might pick a movie that I don't like that I think you'll love, which well, is fine. That, and I think that will be the interesting case study. If, okay. you, if you have been listening to the podcast for the last, what, how many years? Three and a half? And you have an opinion of a movie that you think Matt would love or a movie that you think I would love oh, and I haven't it. seen. Send it in. Send it in, because we need, need some, the suggestions. I need some help. <laughs> uh, but, but before that, Shahir, yeah. next week... Oh, what is the movie? Bam, 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 Endgame. With Shalia Evans is coming back to bring the Marvel story home. Are you going to be day drunk for that one? No, I'm going to be bone fucking sober. And by the way, we are... 
it's like 10.30 at night right now. I could be drinking. <laughs> Get day drunk. I want to see that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for you or anybody. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please drop us some five-star reviews on the iTunes machine if you would be so inclined and you've enjoyed this conversation of almost not Hellboy. And, um, yeah. We'll see you next week for some... We'll see you for the end game. Maybe we'll this will be our last episode. For the end will be. Yeah, it'll be our last episode. It That's it. Be. That's it. We're going out. Is that it? Going out in the end game. That's so sad. No, they're coming back from the... God damn it.